0: to the 7 Figure Box show. This is Andrew Frezza with a special guest today, my good friend Marcus Gerzi from Alpha Hippie. Uh, Marcus has been on the show before. He was on episode 54, and back then Marcus was working with Jim Wright and uh, was was building out a new project, Jim Breakthrough, and has been uh, one of the most influential people in the CrossFit uh, business space specifically uh, Marcus has, has done a, real, a, a ton of good things for us, and I know a lot of really good things for other gym owners as well. So a lot's changed since our last conversation, or at least podcast conversation. Marcus and I talk every few months uh, just as friends, but um, can you give us a little uh, uh, insight or, or what's happened since, since the last time of, of shifting from gym breakthrough and gym right to alpha hippie?
1: Well, first of all, Andrew, thank you for having me on. It's yeah, you're welcome. Again, um, man, a whole lot has happened since <laughs> then, my friend. Um, you know, here's, what, let me kind of zoom out for you. So when I was last on, when I was transitioning out of gym, right? And into gym breakthrough, that was really the end of a bigger era for me in, you know, I had been in the gym business coaching space for over 10 years at that point. And um, I'd worked with people all shapes and sizes and, you know, from, I mean, countless gym owners to a lot of the different bigger brands in the space too, which was really fun. Um, And, you know, the gym right exit was, was part of the bigger ending of barbell business and that whole, that whole evolution. And that for me was a really big, uh, big journey in that you know, we had built an incredible business and product with Barbell Business. And, you know, we we had a lot of success and that was a really exciting time. And, you know, and when all of that kind of came to a head with some of the partners on the team at the time, it really, uh, it started a big transition for me. And what that was, was a realization of, you know, what my priorities really were, what I really wanted to do. And, you know, the, there was a transition period at the end with Jim Wright. And then when that was complete, I started Jim Breakthrough really because I had, I had a lot of wonderful clients that I really enjoyed working with. And I had an opportunity to um, take on a handful of uh, additional clients, which was really exciting too. Um, but in the background, I was really teeing up a bigger shift. And that was because of having gone through that, you know, three-year evolution and wind down, if you will. You know, I I came to the conclusion that I wanted to do something different, not from the standpoint of coaching people or working with people, um, or that even that I didn't enjoy working with business owners because I did. But what I realized was, is that what I loved so much about what I did was that I was helping people achieve the things that they didn't think were possible. And what really helped me stand out and, and helped make me successful as a business coach was that I was coaching the person, not just a business tactic or a, a new technique or a sales flow. It was about helping the person f- figuring out where they're stuck and helping them get past that. Because then it's not so difficult if you, you know, you change your relationship with, with yourself, your trust in yourself, your confidence, and, you know, why you're doing what you're doing and tapping into that, you know, maybe that, re- that poor relationship you had with selling, your fear of selling all of a sudden goes away because you're showing up as a different person, right? It isn't just the sales script that does it. And, you know, the big conclusion for me was that that's what I really loved about what I did. And I wanted to dive into that further. And uh, I had a wonderful opportunity where one of my best friends in the world, Angelo Cisco, who had already started going down this path where he was already working with groups of men uh, with Alpha Hippie, um, you know, asked me to join him on the venture. And here we are.
0: That's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm muting myself and unmuting because I got music in the background. So while you're talking, I'm going to mute myself here, but- um, All good. So I wanted, I wanted to, to go back to kind of the ending of the, the barbell business side of things because you you had said something in there that kind of caught my attention, which is like, it, it made you kind of realize your priorities a little bit more. Um, and I think to the outside, you know, especially as like a business owner that looked up to you guys in that, you know, you and Mike and Doug, and I went to the barbell mastermind from the outside looking in, it looked like, amazing in the sense of like, oh my God, these are like all really cool guys that get to work together, helping gym owners and recording podcasts. They, you know, know, they all like each other, like hanging out with each other. And that coming to an end uh, felt very abrupt, you know, and it felt like, and I imagine you, from your standpoint, if that thing would have kept going, you would have kept doing that for years. So at the time, it probably seemed like you know, this is one of the worst things that could happen. How did, from just your standpoint, you don't have to talk about like what broke down in terms of the team, but like from your standpoint and your relationship with that happening, like what did you go through in that sense?
1: Well, you're right. It was a lot of fun and we were doing what we loved and I was doing it with people I really enjoyed doing it with. And, you know, as far as the business was concerned, I mean, we were freaking killing it. It was awesome, right? But, you know, for all of us, that's the biggest business we'd ever built. You know, I mean, we'd all been in business on our own and built successful gyms and other companies on the side, but we'd never built a rocket ship like that. And with that, you know, there were behind the scenes, there were other relational issues going on, not between myself, Mike and Doug, but between some of the other partners and some dynamics on, on that back end. And I honestly, I didn't even realize it. And I was at the time still totally blind to the fact that, you know, one of the things that I do really well is I help connect people and I help mediate and help translate for people. So when, you know, if I see a a miscommunication happen, I can very easily identify what's going on and help resolve it. Well, as much as that might be an asset in a lot of ways, I didn't realize, but I was misusing it because I was keeping a confrontation that really needed to happen from happening for a long time, because it was, hey, this is, you know, we don't need to disagree or whatever. And it just kept, we just kept growing and growing. The stakes kept getting higher and higher. The tension gets bigger and bigger. And when that came to a head, it was a huge surprise for me. I I mean, I really had no idea what, what magnitude of a fallout that would have when it happened. And I mean, it was, it was shocking because we, I mean, from one day to the next, we went from like, what's the next big adventure we're doing? Like, what are we going to do? To everything got put on ice. Everything came to a screeching halt and egos went through the roof because, you know, that's, this is, that was really the root of the challenge, uh, I believe. And you know, and it's, it turned into a, a, a backroom fist fight, basically, you know, of, you know, who's doing what and who did what and mind this. And it just got really nasty. And, you know, part of that for me was, for one, the realization of my contribution to that. I didn't realize that I was totally fostering that until I really sat and thought about it. Not until a couple of years later did I figure that out. Um, but, I mean, we had to... Kind of divide the group up. And just by default, the partner that I had, you know, one of the partners and myself went on one side and Mike and Doug went on the other side. And there was a lot of, you know, frustration, a lot of anger and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know, we had to, you know, come up with a new, rebrand the whole thing and launch all of that and get everything switched over, which was really challenging. I mean, it really pushed me to a whole new level of of needing to make things happen. And, you know, although that was really positive and I learned a ton, a ton from this, from that whole thing, you know, I did not realize the toll it had taken on me, just powering through it. Because when it all happened, we just had to keep going. It's not like you get to stop and take a break and go, you know, sit in a corner and figure it out. It's business needed to keep moving. And you know, now with this whole additional layer of complexity and confusion and and anger and all the stuff that we were going through at the time, um, you know, it really taught me a lot about myself and about how I want to do business and how I don't want to do business. You know, that was the biggest realization for me and why I ultimately ended up leaving was because I just realized that, you know, I had a different standard I wanted to hold myself to. And that's okay. I'm not saying that anybody else this standard is worse than mine, but it was different. And it did not feel right for me being in that environment anymore. It was, it had become very, um, it was just going in a different direction from how I wanted to show up. And I could feel that dissonance and I couldn't put my finger on it at first, but once I came to the conclusion, it was an easy decision to, well, not easy decision. It was a big decision, but it was much easier for me to then take the action and, fully walk away and end up selling my shares in that and uh, moving on
0: and doing my own thing. Where did you realize, so where did that click for you in Alpha Hippie? What what was that moment that it was like, okay, yes, I actually realized that I do coach the person more than the business. Um, Or was there shifts in your personal life that were happening that you're saying, Okay, it only makes sense for me to go this direction from here on out.
1: Well, leaving after having left the uh, gym right and I'd started gym breakthrough, there was really a, a period, I was already far down the track of really trying to get to the bottom of what, what I can learn from what I just went through. I mean, it totally shook my life up and there was a lot of lessons buried in there to unpack and to figure out and translate into adjustments to my life. And, you know, in doing that, it was for one, you know, you don't realize, uh, not you, I don't want to project. I didn't realize that, you know, having built what we built and, and having had the success that we had, which was wonderful, you know, but then going into this really abrupt, really intense, multi-year long, like, you know, outcome of this thing, you know, it really showed me my weaknesses and my opportunities to grow as a man, as a businessman, uh, as a father. I mean, it really just put everything out there for me. And so I spent a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort every day. I mean, hours a day where I was really getting into, I was really just working through this stuff. And little by little, bit by bit, I, I started putting the pieces together more and more. And, you know, towards, it was towards 2018, in 2018, end of 2018, early 2019 is when I started to start putting the bigger pieces together. And started t- taking bigger actions, and then towards the end of 2019 is when I, I Angelo and I were talking more and more about the angel about the um, Alpha Pi project, and I realized that this was my next step, because he had asked me to join join him on the the project, and I initially declined because I still I still wasn't sure what I really how I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to go and do focused more on the personal development aspect uh, rather than just the um, you know being niched into in the business piece. And I wanted to make a bigger impact. And, you know, as he and I discussed what we were going to do and how we were going to do it, as that started to crystallize more and more is when it became abundantly clear that this was exactly where I was going to go and, and who I was going to do
0: it with. That's awesome. What you said you were you were spending hours a day working on this, what did that look like? And, and how much of that felt like you were doing nothing at all? <laughs>
1: um, well, I was doing a lot of journaling, a lot of writing, um, a lot of meditation, a lot of breath work. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of just sitting in silence and thinking and writing that probably took up the majority of it. I mean, it was several hours a day, some days. um, And I had never really done that. I had journaled in the past. I'd done all the things independently, but I had never made it such a big part of my day. And when I started doing that, it really started to unlock more and more uh, and connect more and more of these, whether it was things from when I was growing up that translated and contributed to this or the lessons buried inside of the actual, you know, thing that happened. It, it just bit by bit came together. And yeah, sometimes it did really feel like I was just sitting there treading water because sometimes, you know, you get caught up in the anger. You're still, you're still angry about what happened or you're just confused. It doesn't make any sense. And if you sit with it long enough and you use this magic wand called a pen and just start writing it out over and over in different ways and just let it flow out. It is an incredibly therapeutic process and, and way for you to really distill down the lessons and the takeaways from
0: anything. I love that. Um, how much of that, it sounds like you were immersed in it very deeply for a period of time. How much of that needs to happen regularly for you now in order for you to have that clarity on a daily, weekly, monthly basis moving forward?
1: Well, I spend time every day um, and it'll be anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes where I have my routine and that'll fluctuate depending on how I'm feeling. Um, Yet, what I've also learned, and we talked about this a little bit prior to uh, you starting the show, you know, I've also really learned to just go with the ebbs and flows of how, of what's going on for me. You know, some days like today, I woke up at two in the morning, because I had an idea about something. And I raced to the office. And I created a whole bunch of exciting new things for myself. Right? Rather than where I would previously just power through, "Ah, I've got to go back to sleep and just, you know, punish myself in, in bed trying to go to sleep for hours. And, not really be able to get any rest versus just leaning into what's going on and coming here and writing and building. So it ebbs and flows. And, you know, some days I'll take half days off, full days off to work on stuff. And sometimes I won't need to do that for weeks.
0: So when it comes to Alpha Hippie, um, why why is it focused on men? Why men specifically? What do you think that men are uniquely facing or, or opportunities that men have maybe that women don't could be a positive as well. But what's unique to men that that is happening less with women or isn't as specific to women?
1: I, I wouldn't say that it's happening any less with women. It's just different. You know, I am not a woman. I don't know what it's like to be a woman, to be a mom, to carry a baby. So I can't speak to those i mean we get very deep with our clients we work on a really personal level and you know we focus mostly on ceos entrepreneurs uh business owners people who really are are getting after it in life and have families and we help them be the best men husbands fathers they can be so they can perform at their best and everything else and as much as i mean i i'm I know we can add value to many women's lives. And we have plenty of women who follow the podcast. The program that we do is focused on men because that's what we know. And that's where we felt we were the most equipped to provide the most value. And, and for me too, the reason it spoke to me uh, that much more was also just my journey as a father and raising my son, you know, and realizing the gaps that I had from how my father raised me that I had to shore up myself, so that I don't pass that stuff on to my son.
0: What what patterns were you seeing in your relationship with your son that made you realize the importance of this? Um, yeah, it, it wasn't
1: necessarily that I saw patterns in my son; it's that I saw patterns in myself. You know that you know one of the biggest lessons I've I've come across so far as a father has been, you know, my role in, in my kids' lives, right? So it's my role in the family in general as being the stabilizer, as being the the one who is here to teach my kids how to interact with the outer world, right? Masculine is the external, feminine is the internal. The mother's role is far more to teach them about themselves and how to interact with themselves. And the father's role is more so about how they interact with the world, external. And, you know, the more that I um, learned about that stuff, I just became a parent that a lot of those, I wasn't taught a lot of those things. And that I had, I had gaps to shore up for myself. If I wanted to model, which was the other big lesson and, the, and really arguably the biggest lesson for me is that, you know, what you tell your kids matters way less than what you show them. And what I mean is how you lead your life in front of them. How do you interact with other people? How do you talk about yourself? How do you talk to other people? How, do you do what you say you're gonna do? Do you follow through? Right? Do you represent the values that you want to pass along? It doesn't matter what you tell them. The whole "do as I say, not as I do" is bullshit. It's about how how you show up. And I wanted to do a better job. You know, as I think any parent can relate, it's a, they mirror back because they're they're these perfect, you know, un uh, uh, pre screwing up like they're perfect little beings and anything that's bothering you that they're doing is them. That's just a reflection of something that you don't like about yourself, right? So if you look at it that way, your kids are your little Buddhas and your little teachers around how you can become a better person. Because as soon as you start to realize something, we're like, man, that really gets under my skin. And you think about why is that getting under my skin? What about me? What about my story? is it that's bothering me so much about this and you can usually almost always find something that is on you and it's because your kid's not doing anything to you this is your own experience that you're having right so learning how to do that um, or embracing that part of it for me was was really important and I realized why when I was doing that how few of my friends, my colleagues, and just men that I knew in general were even aware of this or did any of this and really were having a tough time as a dad. And same, I mean, a lot of the same things apply in your relationships. There's a lot there too. Um, and it all is keeping them from living the life they really want because you're stressed out as a dad at home or your home life is difficult or you know, you, you're struggling with anxiety or imposter syndrome or fear of success or failure. It all comes back to the person. And just having gone through what I went through in my journey as an entrepreneur over the last 12 years, mixed with the last few years in particular, that really showed me so much about, you know, things that lessons I had learned 10 years ago, that really became clear in the last few years. I, I just felt compelled to need to share this because this is, there's a huge gap for like healthy masculinity in, in society. I mean, look at just what happened this last year with all the COVID stuff and whatnot. I mean, it's really pushed people to their limits and how many people's relationships, careers, um, and home life are a mess. Right. And it's because so many of us don't know how to handle ourselves. Right. It's all fine and well when it's, when things are going fine, but, you you learn who you really are when things get tough and things got really tough last year for a lot of people. And a lot of people realized something's not working about this. Like I I thought I was happy, but I, apparently I was not because I, you know, was exploding left and right now. And yeah, it just, um, it all just lined up.
0: You mentioned the idea of this, this healthy masculinity, what, what does that look like? or where where do most people um, mess that up? And I know I don't want to generalize too much, but I know you get a lot of you get a lot of people coming to you that probably share a lot of the same issues and maybe they want to approach it a certain way, and then you're you might be able to guide them that no, that's not the best approach or that's not really what healthy masculinity is, you know. Um, you know, I think about things like anger and how to discipline kids as an example of like, sure, what you know, what's the best way to do that? And, and you don't have to take that. But what what jumps out for you of like, where do we, where do most people take a a less than effective approach?
1: Well, what what we tend to see is, you know, most people when you ask them what masculinity represents or what it looks like, it's what you just described. It's, a, it's got negative associations with it, right? It means you're, you're powering through things. You're, you know, you're, it's what a lot of people would define as this toxic masculinity thing. And I don't like that term because it's not about being toxic. It's just, this is just the unhealthy expression of masculinity, right? Where the healthy one is stable and is in control of who they are and their environment yet is still able to go and perform and go out and, and achieve, right? We're, we're the doers. We're the achievers. We're the ones who go out and, and make things happen. And also to be clear, both men and women have masculine and feminine. It's the balance that makes you effective, right? And most men think I have to be this masculine, like super alpha type in order to be Masculine and to you know to be a man, and just you know shut up and power through it and just deal with it and you know boys don't cry and all that stuff, and there's a there's a lot of messed up stuff wrapped up in there, and the reality is is that and this is where the name alpha hippie even comes from is that it's the balance of go out and conquer and go go after what you want be on offense right go and accomplish your life the life that you want and at the same time do it with emotional intelligence. You can do this and be a great loving father and a great husband to your wife and to have a great relationship with yourself so you take care of yourself so that you can perform better at all the things. You are a better businessman. You're a better father, a better husband when you take care of yourself, not just physically, but emotionally as well. That's really how you unlock your superpowers, right? Is when you can do both at the same time. And the misconception for most is that It's one or the other, or that embracing any of the emotional intelligence and, uh, you know, that entire side of the spectrum, that that's not masculine. That's not healthy. It's not cool. It's not a good thing to do. And that's why a lot of guys are stuck and they keep struggling and they keep putting on, putting on this show of being the tough guy and that everything's okay. And that's, you know, this is just how it's supposed to be. And I call bullshit.
0: Do you, so I see this, like, uh, kind of like dichotomy here where there's this this masculine side which is like everything you know I guess kind of putting up walls everything's okay not being willing to open up right I guess would be considered more of a a masculine trait but I also see a lot of relationships especially in the area that we're in where you kind of have maybe the wife takes on more masculine traits more dominant traits and then the husband is taking on more of the feminine side in that relationship as well. And maybe I'm, I'm describing it or thinking of it wrong potentially. Um,
1: but I guess, how
0: can, how can someone, is there, is there a, is there a larger problem of too much masculinity or not enough, I guess, in most dads today?
1: Well, again, it's the wrong kind of masculinity. That's the problem. It's that there's not enough of the right kind, right? Of, of leading from a, a controlled and stable place rather than this volatile, angry, that's not good, that's not good masculine. Yelling at your kids and being the, being the tough dad. I mean, I, I experienced a lot of that too, right? That's, that is not the right way to go about it. And I'm not saying that you can't be direct and that you can't teach your kid hard lessons. That's absolutely part of the job right? But it's you, you becoming dysregulated, like emotionally dysregulated where you start freaking out and you get angry and you start yelling. And this, this is what we see most often as the expression of what people think is being a good dad. Like, I'm going to be this firm dad. You don't have to be an a-hole to your kid to be a great dad and to teach him a lesson and to get the point across. You can, you can become a more effective communicator, right? And you can do that by working on your communication skills and by working on your ability to self-regulate yourself and become aware of when you do get, start getting dysregulated and freaking out that you are now in this stressed state where you are not going to be effective anymore, right? Just like when you, whenever you get worked up, right? If you can stay calm and you can stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish and communicate effectively, it's gonna be way better, right? And that applies in everything not just in parenting
0: what what are some of the the low-hanging fruit for for men to start doing right away you mentioned like writing and journaling as a very effective thing Uh, one actually what we had spoken a few weeks ago you had talked to me about was going for walks and just not having anything on you not having your phone on you not listening to music not listening to a podcast which for me and you, our our natural tendency is to want to learn and want to take in that information, and it can be nice to like pair things up because you feel like you're saving time. But um, but yeah, you can talk about that or any other things that you see as kind of the low hanging fruit for for uh, dads to to get get back to themselves.
1: Well, for one, uh, I mean th- everything you just mentioned; those are all great tools for self care, right? These are all ways to to help regulate yourself and get, and really check in with yourself on a daily basis. Right. So whether you like to journal, meditate, um, go for walks, all the above, th- these are all good tools to keep yourself in, in a good state, right? Keep yourself checked in. Um, but if the question is like, what can men do, uh, can you restate the question for me? More yeah. Like what, what's
0: kind of a simple starting point for, uh, a man who's feeling stuck and it could be, you know, a number of different ways. It could be at work, it could be with family, it could be with their spouse, but like how can they start to make some progress in the right direction in that?
1: Easy answer, easy answer. Stop lying to yourself. That is the first and very most important self. And I can't emphasize this enough. Stop BSing yourself. If it's not fine, stop saying it's fine to other people and especially to yourself. Stop being out of integrity with yourself because all you're doing is you're keeping yourself in a false state of comfort, a false reality. And as long as you are in that false reality, you don't get to move on. You don't get to grow. You must be willing to face your own crap and and the good, right? So it's, it's being honest with yourself about, hey, I'm doing well over here, but I am totally crapping the bed over here and I hate the way this feels. And I feel inadequate as a dad and I wish I were a better husband. And I wish like all the that stuff that is keeping you up at night or that's silently running in the background that's stressing you out and keeping you in this constant state of overwhelm is just be honest with yourself. You must be willing to be brutally honest with yourself. And that is the first and biggest step you can take to start making progress, right? It's just like, I mean you have a lot of people who follow us who are in the fitness business. I mean when you uh, when you're working with a client and you're trying to help them get their nutrition on track, right? If they're they're lying to themselves, "Oh, it's not that bad. It's only, you know, six diet sodas a day." And you're like, "Buddy, that's six diet sodas a day." Like that's it's not okay. Right? I'm not saying you come down on the person, but what I'm saying is when you're dealing with yourself, you must be totally, I mean, take all the padding off and just be completely honest with yourself. And that will get that is what will get you unstuck. Because you're stuck because you're lying to yourself. And that the you're keeping yourself from the pain of that that is going to light the fire under your ass to get you at, to actually take action. The being stuck is a state of inaction. Right? So the opposite of inaction is to take action. So if I want to start taking action. And the reason, and you ask most guys, they know what to do, right? Well, what would you do to be a better dad? Oh, I'd spend more time with my kid. I'd take him to go do this. And what'd you do as a better husband? Oh, I'd do this or that. What'd you do to take better care of yourself? I'd go to the gym more regularly. I'd stop eating like crap. We know what to do, Most, at least enough to make a huge dent in whatever it is that's bothering you, right? The problem is, is that they're like, yeah, but I don't know how to, like I, I start and I stop. You know, I start and I fail or I quit. I give up. Or I'm just frozen and I just, it seems too intimidating. I i don't, I can't take on another thing, right? That is the inaction. And that is because of you're not leveraging the pain of the truth to get you to take the action. You're keeping yourself feeling safe. Your ego does this to keep you feeling safe and protect you from dealing with your feelings. And also we've been taught by society as men to not deal with our feelings, just deal with it. Right. But that is exactly why you're stuck. If you just lean into it and be like, okay, this is what I don't like, and this is how it makes me feel, and this is how much it bothers me. Then now, first of all, you'll feel a huge weight come off of your shoulders because you admitted it to yourself. And now it'll you'll be have been so honest that, that that the frustration, the pain, now you can leverage that into taking the action, getting you unstuck like that.
0: That was awesome. Um, I have a question on that, which is how much as people dig into this, how much is it the sort of attitude and adjustments that they make versus the actual circumstances themselves? So examples for people that would be less than this would be like, you might have a gym owner that's unsure of whether or not they want to still be a gym owner moving forward, or they might feel stuck as a gym owner. And how much of that is gonna require them to actually no longer be a gym owner? Or maybe it's a coach who's working at a gym in New York that doesn't like their circumstance. How much of that is gonna require them to do the internal work versus, no, you just need to get to a new gym that's going to allow you to grow and push you and do this. And I know we had talked about with you, like you were able to fully step into your growth when you made the shift from Breakthrough gym breakthrough to alpha hippie, even though you were doing obviously the internal work kind of alongside of that. So how much is like the action, the circumstance versus the personal actions?
1: Well, the external adjustment can help put you into a better state, right? If you're somewhere that's stressing you out and it's not working for you and you're um, changing that, right? Finding the new job or changing the, the career can be a great catalyst and a, and a great starting point. However, if you don't do it in tandem with the internal stuff, you're gonna repeat the same thing. That you're gonna find a way to replicate the same issues for yourself in the new environment. This is why you see people who keep going from job to job to job with the same perfectly good excuses every time. It's because they're not addressing the internal part. They just keep changing the external. But until you change the internal, how you now experience and show up for the external is not going to change now in a perfect world you would be doing the internal work that gives you the clarity and the confidence and the direction to go and you'll have a much easier time but that's a perfect world and i think we can all admit this is not the environment we're in most of the time right so it's usually a combo of the two if you want to really make a change right it's one thing to just take yourself out of a bad situation but if you're really looking to grow and grow into this next stage and be able to handle it and run with it, then it's internal work required.
0: Cool. I want to I shift gears a little bit just to talk about kind of uh, a little bit of the business side of, of Alpha Hippie. But is there anything else that you want people to know that we didn't touch on as it relates to kind of the... You know really how to develop yourself into a a better person in that sense
1: yeah um put yourself around people be very mindful of your inputs i think a lot of people understand the idea and you know there's that great jim Rohn quote you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with something like that and they understand the sentiment of that but they don't realize that that applies to all your inputs that applies to what you watch on TV, the text threads you're in with your buddies from high school, the, um, you know, the the podcasts you listen to, the all, the music you listen to, right? These are all inputs. These are the people you're hanging out with.
0: The food you take in, what you drink. Sure,
1: that stuff too. But what I mean now is the people you spend the time your your time with, and what you're taking in, and becoming very aware. Of how congruent or incongruent those inputs are with what you want, right? If you're up watching, you know, crazy violent shit on TV or really dramatic, stressful stuff, and you want this like happy life being this successful person doing this other thing, that's probably not helping you. Not saying don't ever watch it, but don't make that what you're consuming every night, right? And there's usually a pretty big aha when someone just stops and takes inventory and says, okay, here's how I wanna feel and here's how I wanna experience my life and then just audit a day, just take a look at a day. How much of that supports that? And the biggest one for me was the people itself, right? I, had, I have lots of friends and I have, I have a huge group of guys that I grew up with that I've known literally my entire life, you know, and I love them to death And at the same time, a lot of those guys are still stuck in other paradigms. They're still stuck kind of living their life like a boy, you know? And it was really difficult for me when I realized this is not helping me become the person I'm really trying to be. And that I would remove myself from those situations and not be worried about what are they going to think or what are they going to say? Because my future is more important. Than what I think someone might say or feel for a brief moment in time because I put up a boundary. You
0: know? Now, did you have to sort of end those relationships like cold turkey or is it still someone that you'll just, oh. you'll just sh- shift to doing less with that person?
1: Oh, no, it's not a, a matter of ending those relationships. It was just about establishing the right boundaries and, and making the relationship what I wanted it to be. Right you don't have to be on the receiving end of everyone else's unhealthy shit all day in these text threads and, you know, on Instagram feeds. And, you know, there's a lot of negativity, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. And it's not that you can't be there to support your friend or that you don't want to be your friend's friend anymore. And also I don't have to sit here and consume that all
0: day. Do you have any uh, thoughts on social media specifically and, and in? its influence and, and how people should relate to that.
1: I mean, same thing. It's just another input. You know, you, who you follow and what you see and all of that is, is the same thing like watching what you're watching on television. And for many people, even more so because a lot of people spend more time on their phones than they do watching TV. Yeah. It's a huge factor.
0: Cool. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of the, the business side of Alpha Hippie. Because um, at one point, you guys were going to do a, a, a gym type of setting, right? An in person type of setting, yeah. and you decided to go fully online. Can you talk about that? That decision?
1: Yeah, um, that was a very opportune. Uh, it all kind of came together perfectly. So let me, let me break it down. So when Angela and I first started exploring this idea, we were going to do a brick and mortar location and build this beautiful gym. Both him and I had built successful had several successful gyms, and we were quite good at that. And we loved the idea of having a, a awesome, you know, brick and mortar, basically playground for us. And you know, and then we could we can establish the business side of that as well. Um, and then we were going to build and do all the the workshops and the courses and all the things that we we do now with Alpha Hippie, also out of that. And it was funny because there was a moment it, I realized, I'm like, wait, hold on. Why do I want to do the gym? And it was, I realized it was just because of the nostalgia. I just missed having a gym. I loved my gym. I loved the gym business. It was super fun. I just had other things that were calling me that were more important to me that I had an opportunity to pursue, so I did. And um, Angelo, same thing. I mean, he's a very successful veteran gym owner, and uh, he had just sold his gym, moving out, he moved out to California. It was like, oh, let's start this gym. And it was like, wait, neither you or I are getting up to, to do a 5 a.m. class again. It's not even on the on the menu for me. And you know, as as we got the talking, we both just realized we're like, we just want to do this because we like having the space. We can just have the space and not be in the business, in the gym business and do our thing, which is how we then defaulted to also realizing the thing we're really passionate about is the program and, and helping these guys make these big breakthroughs. And we don't need the gym for that. That's just going to be a distraction. So that's why we didn't do the gym and just went full force
0: on the program. Awesome. I love that, that the way you broke that down, um, so now that you do go online, what, what's kind of, cause I think there's a lot of people that are in the brick and mortar space. So they see people be successful online coaches, gym owners, and they see sort of this, uh, you know, the carrot of going online of like, oh, wow, low overhead costs. I could reach, I have an infinite amount of people I could essentially reach. What, what are some of the key learnings and you have experience, not just with Alpha Hippie online. So you've done, you've done many things, but what are the key things that, that might not appear at the surface for a lot of people when they think about going online? Well,
1: I, I would treat it just like opening any other business. Be very intentional about what you're going after and what you're looking to accomplish, who you're gonna serve, what problem you solve, um, and so on. Not, it's not just how can I sell nutrition online or I'm gonna start trying to sell my programs online. It's not that simple. That's what most people do. And that's why most people don't see much success with it. But you can be wildly successful online and, have, and run a very a relatively simple operation and make a great living doing what you love doing. Yet you must treat it with the respect like of any successful business and be very intentional about what you're doing. Sure, some people get lucky or some people built a big enough brand to where they're like, I just went online and it just worked. you're always gonna hear those stories. Don't base your strategy off those stories. You know, like I said, figure out first and foremost, what problem do you want to solve? And who exactly, very, very specifically, am I going to solve that problem for? As in, who do I enjoy serving? Who am I best at serving? Who can afford my services? Who's in a position to utilize my service? Not like, hey, I want to sell high-end training programs online. And then you're targeting college kids they don't have the money most of the time to do that unless they're sponsored or, or, you know, in a, in a position to do so, you're not going to have your market share that way. Um, so being very clear about who you're going to serve and the problem that you're going to solve for that person. And then, you know, building your business around that, keep it simple.
0: Less, now, the better. Now, one of the questions I have, and maybe you, it's the same answer, but how do you, you know, you're going online, you don't have the in person time. And, and I think a lot of people associate in person stuff with a higher value. So how do you how do you make sure that it's not how do you make sure you stand out, you can charge a high, a high amount and deliver on that value when you don't have the in person time with someone
1: create, first of all, you can create that connection online, people do it all the time. Um, and it's just through authentic connection. Creating, treating your content not as content. It's not, I need to do an Instagram post because I'm supposed to post every day. It's really about speaking authentically to that person that you help solve and articulating how well you understand the problem that they have three dimensionally, and then bridging the gap between where they are and what they're experiencing being in the problem with where they want to be and how. You are, you are able to help get them there. Don't give them the answers. Don't tell them how you're gonna do it. Just getting them to understand, I, I get you, I see where you're at, and I'm, I'm able to articulate it even better than you are yet. And if you wanna go from there to here, here are the things to consider, here are the things to learn, and those are the things that you teach in your programs or your offerings, right? And that is how you create, you replace that connection That a lot of people think you can only do in person don't get me wrong i prefer in-person connection too i'm a people person i love to socialize Uh, i would take that option over online any day however given current circumstance and or just the fact that you want to build an online business well then we're going to need to replicate that online which you can absolutely do and do that through video through through podcasting through interviews through conversation Right, really letting people get to know you, being vulnerable and and sharing what I just mentioned before. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool, well, we'll, we'll wrap up there. Um, for those that are listening that are like, I like what Marcus is saying, I could actually see, think I might be a good fit. Um, can you elaborate on who is, who is the perfect fit for you? Who's the perfect fit for Alpha Hippie? Um, if they're listening, they think they might be a good fit and then how can they reach out?
1: Yeah, so, you know, the people we like to work with are guys who are guys who want to make things happen. And this is what I said: like they're usually entrepreneurs, business owners, executives. Uh, but we have people of all walks of life. That's that's not the criteria per se. But the criteria is is that you you really want to make it happen for yourself, for your family, and you are tired of letting your old self-perceived limitations get in the way. And you, if you're hearing this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel like you keep starting, you keep having to start over. You feel like, like how are other people successful and like getting to the next level? And I keep feeling stuck in this state, right? That is who we help. Because what we help you do is we help you shift from defense, living your life on defense, to sh- living your life on offense in a, health, in a healthy way. So you can really start performing at your best at everything. So you can start crushing it in business. So you can, you can totally revitalize your relationship with your spouse. You can become the dad that you know your kids actually deserve to have, right? And do all of this while actually enjoying your life and having fun again. It doesn't have to be this never-ending slog of stress and work, 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 and this is just how it is. That is. You've been sold a lie on that. That's not true. You can do all the things. You can air quotes, have it all if you do the work, if you do the right work. You can live a great life and be successful and and enjoy the hell out of it in the process. So if that resonates with you, uh, you can check us out. We've got a Facebook group um, called The Way of the Courageous Man. It's totally free. We do live trainings in there multiple times a week. Uh, All sorts of great conversations and things happening. Get yourself around some other good guys also trying to win um check out the alpha hippie podcast um we do a lot of those live trainings make it on there plus a lot of the awesome interviews that angelo does um and check us out I am alpha hippie.com and if you're interested and you want to figure out what that looks like for you schedule a call with me we'll just figure out what's going on and what you're struggling with and what you want to do and one way or the other i'll help point you in the right direction and if that's helping or if that ends up being working with us cool and if not happy to help either way
0: Awesome. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you for uh, opening up and being vulnerable with us and sharing your journey.
1: My pleasure, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me on, my friend.